This is a Cincy fan talking with LP. You can catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy fan talking. You say it like it sounds, just leave off the G. If you have ideas for the show, you can reach me at Cincy underscore fan talk at yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you leave them there. Who knows? You might find yourself as part of the show. Any feedback would be definitely appreciated. And also, make sure you hit the link tree page that's on my Twitter. Make sure you click on that. You can find all the different ways to contact me there. Enjoy the show. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to another episode of A Cincy Fan Talking with LP. And this is LP. Welcome back. Welcome back. Appreciate y'all spending a little time with your boy. Definitely appreciate it. Appreciate all the love and support out there in Twitter land, which is out of them on. No Instagram, no Facebook. I, I really can't do all of that stuff. I, I don't really have the patience for most social media platforms. I'm I am who I am. I'm I'm basically Twitter. I can't I can't really cope with nothing else. Appreciate everybody on Twitter helping me out with everything. Helping me post my stuff out there. Just helping me helping me get my voice out there. So I appreciate everybody out there. If you got anything you want me to shout out, if you got anything you want me to put on my platform, just let me know. I'd be happy to post your stuff. Up on my little thing that I call a Cincy fan talking with LP. Just let me know. I'll get you out there. I know y'all heard by now. It's looking like college football is about to be kaput. And honestly, if you've been rocking with me since I started this thing, I predicted this way back in April. I, I called this whole thing and... I can't say that I'm happy about it. I definitely can't say that. But I can say that there are a lot of people out there that call me negative, that said that I just didn't want to see football, said that I just want to talk about negative stuff out here. And it's not really about that for me. For me, it's about safety first. I've always said that. I was saying that even once sports started, you wouldn't see me out there as a fan until there was until there was a vaccine. Flat out. You're not gonna see me out in the stands passing hot dogs and pops and all of that. Like I'm not doing that. And more than that, it's I just feel like you don't see enough adults in the room. Like, you don't see enough adults that are willing to be the bad guy, that are willing to stand up and just be like, look, I understand that I won't be the most appreciated person in the world right now if I say this or if I do this, but it's not safe enough for you to play. And I understand that you want to play. 
And I understand that the fans really want to see you play. I get that. But I appreciate the Big Ten and the Big 12. I'm sorry, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. I appreciate them for standing up and being like, look, it's not safe enough for you to be out there playing. It's not safe. No matter how bad the coaches want to play, no matter how bad the fans want to see y'all play, no matter how bad the players want to play, there has to be smart enough adults in the room that can see the bigger picture. And the bigger the bigger picture is not three months from now or four months from now. The bigger picture is three or four years from now when these kids become adults and their immune systems are messed up and their hearts are messed up from this virus that people really don't know about and they're starting to know about and they're seeing that it's messing up these parts of your of your body. And by the way, this is the part that's getting me. Why in the world, why in the hell do you have all of these grown men saying, oh, well, why don't we just wait till we know more information? You got over 163,000 people dead in America. You have over 5 million cases in America. What more information do you need? Like, I don't get it. What are you waiting for? Like, come on, get a clue. The only thing that I can understand, the only thing that I can get with, is the fact that you have a lot of kids. You have a lot of juniors and seniors and sophomores and freshmen that are out here wondering, what's up with my scholarship? If we don't play this year, do I still get to go to college for free? If we don't play this year, what's up with my standing in this school? What's up with my standing next year on this team? These are questions that they need answers to. I understand that completely. They need answers for this. So when we say stuff like there's things that we don't know, these are the things that we don't know. Please spare me the whole thing that, well, we don't know what this virus can do yet. So why don't we wait until the end of September when the game start? Seriously. We've been at this point since March. We know what this virus can do. If it's I sound like a broken record, <laughs> like like straight up. I really do. If it's not safe enough for the fans to watch you play, why in the hell is it safe enough for the players to play, especially a sport like football where you can't social distance? It's not possible for you to do social distancing in football. You can't do it. The offensive and defensive lines crash into each other every single play. They breathe on each other. The goal is to basically land on top of each other at some point in the play. I feel like I feel like the teacher in the classroom 
I, I feel like this is like three weeks from now. And I'm giving out homework to my class. If I ask the kids, do they want homework? The entire class will say no. And there'll be two or three kids that'll go like, hey, 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 I'll, I'll take homework. And the entire class will dump on them and be like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, cuz? We don't want homework. Shut up. And it's up to me to block out the noise and say, hey, this is math class. You need to have homework pretty much every day because that's how you get better as a math student. You have to practice your craft. So I'll give you a few questions to practice every day. Then you bring them back to me and we'll see how you did. But you have to have homework every day. It's how you get better. But if I listen to the class, we'll never have homework. They don't want homework. That's what this is. That's exactly what this is. If we listen to the players and we listen to the coaches, they're all going to want to play. I mean, what kind of sense does it make to take their input? They're the ones that are playing, so they're going to want to play. We have to take medical advice and we have to go from there. It just makes the most sense. And we have to keep the safety of the players first and foremost. I, I don't see what's really hard about it. And honestly, I I just see a whole lot of selfish fans on Twitter. That's what I see. It's just a gang of selfish fans that's out there going like, they want a season. Let's give them a season. I don't understand why we can't give them a season. It's not safe enough to give them a season. I mean, you're screaming, give these give these boys a season while you're watching them comfortably on your couch. That makes sense to you? Of course it doesn't make sense to you. Not at all. It's not safe enough for them to play. You push it back to spring. And it might be safe enough for them to play. But if it's not, it's not. And it's a really messed up situation. I don't mean to sound callous about this. It's an extremely messed up situation. It really is. As an Ohio State fan, as an Ohio State alumni and graduate, I love to see my Buckeyes play. I truly do. I really wanted to see them try to win a title this year. But I'm not about to be up here like, oh, my Saturdays are over. Oh, my Saturdays are crushed. What am I going to do because I can't watch the Buckeyes play every Saturday? How selfish is that? Like, these kids have to risk their lives for me to have something to do for three to four hours on a Saturday? These are somebody's kids that... We're just saying, hey, throw them out there. Let them play. These are people's kids out there. And some people are like, hey, you know, I want not having my kid out there. I mean, th- that's you. And-, and that's fine. But general consensus, it's not safe enough for everybody's kid to play. It- it's not safe enough. 
especially a sport like football. And I just feel like there are a lot of selfish people out there that are willing to ignore all of this stuff and just throw these kids out there. And luckily, we have some adults in the room that are willing to say, hey, this is going to cost us a lot of money, but it's not safe enough. The optics would have been amazingly horrible, by the way, if you just roll these kids out there and let them play football and something horrible happens. Imagine the optics of that. And honestly, as as fans, we would just pass the buck on to the colleges. That's what we would do. Hey, you know, they're on scholarship, so that's on them. When really a lot of fans... As long as it's not their team that's suffering from it, they just don't care. It is the honest to goodness truth. That's really how it goes. And if you look at the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12, they're kind of giggling right now. And they're like, wow, look at these other conferences. And once it starts rolling around and then we're going to hear the same thing. Well, I can't believe that they just decided not to play. Keep this in mind. Adults have to think about the big picture. When you're a grown up, you have to think about everything. Your actions affect more than one person. The older you get, the more your actions affect more than just yourself. So at some point, you can't think like a kid where your actions just affect you. You have to think globally. And luckily, the Big Ten and the Big 12, they thought globally. So we'll see what the other conferences do. And I just wish a lot more fans thought like that. But, hey, fans are usually insulated. They just kind of think about themselves. So what can you do, I guess? You got a sense you fan talking with LP? We'll be right back. Yo, yo, welcome back, welcome back. You got a Sensi fan talking with LP. This is LP. And I'm going through my phone the other day, just checking out old pictures, seeing what I should have deleted a long time ago, just trying to free up space on my phone. And I stumbled across a picture that made me break out into, like, the biggest smile ever. So it's a picture of me from, like, five years ago, five, six years ago. And it's a basketball picture for me coaching my um, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade basketball team. And we had won our league championship and I'm holding the trophy. And I'm standing there with the point guard of the team. And it just made me break out into like the biggest smile. It was just like me and him that night on the court, smiling, holding the trophy up. And I'm smiling because it's him. And he was on the first team that I coached. And he was on the last team that I coached at that school. It just made me go all the way back to, like, my memory bank. Just just thinking about that first team that he had happened to be on. And how horrible that entire year was. Uh, he stuck with it. I 
Uh, I put like the quotes around, stuck with it. He quit like every other day. He would like quit, then come back, then quit, then come back. It was, it was a mess. But he ended up like staying on or whatever. And just seeing that picture took me back to that first year, cause I felt like it was kind of like a microcosm for for kind of like how I teach now and just kind of how I think now. So I'm going to take it back to about seven, eight years ago. So I'm coaching this team and it was my first year coaching at this school. So I got a group of sixth, seventh and eighth graders and it's me and um, my assistant coach, real cool guy. Matter of fact, I got to catch up with him. I got to text him and see how he's doing. So it's just me and him. We got this group of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, and we pushing them, you know, trying to get them to do their absolute best, you know, trying to just make sure that they don't quit, you know. Try your best. Try your best. Don't give up. Don't give up. So we end up with about 12 or 13 kids that make the team, and we stand, stand the course, you know. Try your best. Try your best. Don't give up. Don't give up. And... We losing, like, every game. <laughs> like, we, we getting beat up pretty much by every team in the Cincinnati area. And it was weird, too, because we would lose, like, we would find ways to lose all sorts of ways. Like, we would get blown out by 25. <laughs> we get blown out by 30. We would be losing games by 20 in the first half and we come all the way back and then we lose by four like it was it was just the weirdest year but we found a way to like lose close to every game but we was pushing these kids so hard and it seemed like they were so receptive my daughter was born and like she was born november 30th of this year so you know i took a couple of weeks off you know, help out with the baby and whatnot. We were still losing. <laughs> My sister coach would call me. You know, he'd be like, I'd be like, do we win? Nope. <laughs> so we ended up winning two games that year. Hey, God was with us. We won like two of our last four. So me and coach, we get in a lab, you know, after the end of the year, and we were just had an honest conversation with ourselves, you know, just kind of talking. And we like, what do you think we did wrong? And we were like, we had to do something wrong. Like, it can't be on the kids. Like, <laughs> it can't be all on the kids. We felt like we actually had some talent on the team, you know. We felt like we had a pretty good squad. And a lot of the squads we ran up against, it didn't seem like they were, like, that much better than us. So we like, are we that bad as coaches? Like, what happened? So we sitting around, we talking about it. You know, we going over it. We like, you know, we could have ran some different plays. You know, okay, true. We could have did that. You know, you think we went too hard in practice? And we like, I don't know. Do we go hard enough? And then it just hit us. Like, it just hit us like a light bulb. It wasn't like we went too hard. But we wanted to win more than they wanted to win. And it just hit us. It was like 
we let them struggle, but we didn't let them struggle enough. And when we thought about it, we looked all the way back to like our trials. And in trials, we was like pushing them. We like, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. And then we started thinking about it and we was like, we probably had a whole lot of people on the team that would quit (laughs) had we not pushed them so hard. But then we had these kids quitting in the middle of the year because they just didn't want to play. So we like, damn. Wow. (laughs) So it wasn't like we messed up. We just had like a, like a light bulb moment right there. Like we had a little aha moment. We like, don't push them so hard at first. Like you need to figure out who want to be here before you start pushing them, you know, let them struggle a little bit. So the next year roll out, roll around. And we like, okay, we get them in the trials. We didn't say a word. It was like three days of trials and we just basically made them run. (laughs) And instead of saying, you can do it, you can do it. We just stood there (laughs) and we noticed we had about 30 or so kids the first day. And we noticed the second day of tryouts, it was like maybe 20. And we're like, okay. Third day roll around, we maybe had about, maybe about a good, I'd say about a good 13, 14. So last day of tryouts in, and we ended up with about the same amount of kids, about 12, 13 kids. But we noticed this time, we didn't really say anything. And the kids that we had this year were kids that really, truly wanted to be there. Instead of the first year where we basically begged and pleaded. And it was like we were more tired than they were. It was the weirdest thing. It was like we worked them so hard in practice. And it would be times where at the end of practice, we'd be like, why are we so tired? (laughs) Like, why am I so tired? And then the second year, at the end of trials, we'd be like all full of energy and the kids would be like wore out. And we like, okay, I, I think we know what we're doing now. And that second year just seemed so much easier because we had kids that really wanted to be there. And it was the same talent level. That was the thing. That's what we were noticing. It wasn't like we had bad kids as far as like them being able to play. It was just them wanting to be there and the struggle that they put forth before they actually made the team. So the second year, we actually had a pretty decent team. You know, we were like, I think like nine and three or something like that. Pretty decent team. But it was like a mind shift. It was like, we're just going to let them struggle. And then once we figure out what they're struggling with, then we come in and help. And it was kind of like everything changed for me that year. And everything. Because once I saw that, I kind of applied it to everything that I was doing. It wasn't really just the whole... 
coaching thing. I noticed that in teaching. I noticed that in relationships. I noticed if you care more about a relationship than somebody else, it's not going to work out. <laughs> I notice even when I'm teaching, if I care more about what I'm teaching than my kids, what I'm doing isn't really going to matter. They're just going to tune me out. So what I was talking about, what I was, what I was coaching, I started applying that to everything. And then that third year was where the team really took off. I think we just started practicing what we were preaching more than one time. And that's when the team got really, really, really good. And that one point already kind of stuck with us through that whole thing. And by the time the third year rolled around, you know, he was like really, really good. And it was just a great year. So seeing that picture, it just kind of took me back. And I'm like, wow, like that just seeing him, it just kind of clicked into like this entire change that that one year, seven or eight years ago, just kind of took me through because Frederick Douglass has like the best quote, without struggle, there's no progress. It's, it's so true because if you're not willing to struggle to get somewhere, then you're not really willing to get there. <laughs> I mean, you're just not. Because nothing comes easy, not something that you want. And if it does come easy, then you're not going to appreciate it. So what I've been noticing is it's okay to struggle. I mean, it really is. Like, it's okay to not know something at first. Like, it's okay for you to work it out. Like, it's okay for you to not know the answer to something and have to search it out on your own and not have somebody immediately run over and just show it to you. And just, like, show it to you. Like, I, I fight, I used to fight that in class a lot, where the kids would just, like, raise their hand automatically and just go, like, hey, I don't know how to do this. And then I run over and say, here's how you do this. And I'm like, figure it out. You got it. But I don't know how to do it. No, you got it. Figure it out. I don't know how to do it. Did you read the question? No. <laughs> I'm just saying, read the question first. Oh, I know how to do it. Yeah, because you got to read the question first and then you can figure it out. A lot of things come when you struggle first before you realize your goals. I mean, in my experience, you just appreciate things a little bit more when you struggle. We We just had like just this weird thing that we did. Like on the team where after we finally won that first game, I think we were like one in ten <laughs> or something like that. We went absolutely crazy in the locker room. Like we won like the world title. Like we lost our minds in the locker room. And for like the next three years, every time we won a game, we would take the first 
10 seconds in the locker room before we did anything else. Like, no matter if we played a sloppy game, no matter if it was a game we were supposed to win, we would just take the first 10 seconds and just lose our minds. Because as coaches, we realize how hard it is to just win a game. So we always told the um, players that we had on the team that this is our little ritual. Like, this is what we do after we win a game. And everybody look around like, it's just a game. And the kids from the first year go like, nah, you don't get it. <laughs> like, you don't understand. Like, we, we cherish every win we get because it was a time where we didn't win games. So we appreciate them all. And what I hope is that they apply what we learned that first year to everything. Because that struggle, I just hope it made them better. I, I kind of run into one or two of them every now and again. And unfortunately, in coaching and teaching, it, it's always a mixed bag. I mean, I got a couple of people from that team that, that are in college right now, which is absolutely awesome. Then I got a couple that's, I mean, hey, what can you do? But those are all my guys. So I, I love them all to death. So, hey. If y'all happen to stumble upon this, hey, y'all know what it is. Y'all my boy. So y'all make sure y'all doing what y'all supposed to do it. And definitely stay safe out here. So, hey, it's your boy LP. I'm going to go ahead and check out. Um, you know what it is. Make sure you check me out every Tuesday. Um, y'all know the deal. As always, life is good. Peace out. you're not ready for the conversation to end i'm not either make sure to catch me on twitter that's the sensi fan talking leave off the g at the end of it and we can keep the conversation going also don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button so you can catch the next episodes the episodes will drop every tuesday if there's a change in that i'll make sure to let you know appreciate the support as always life is good